you, 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 you are about to experience Vegas bad boys of podcasting. Fortunately, you are about to hear lots of opinions, but uh, rarely any facts. Impersonations might occur, but uh, good luck trying to figure them out. This program is not intended for kids or the easily offended. Listener discretion is advised. You have been warned. You press play. It's too late to stop. Get ready to podcast. All right, hey, everybody. We are live. It's Vegas Bad Boys of Podcasting. And welcome to our three count for the week. And uh, this three count is going to be a little different. All three counts this week are going to be related to the layoffs that happened uh, through the WWE. Uh, Out of nowhere uh, on, uh, I believe it was Thursday this past week, uh, Sin City Steve and myself, uh, Matt Michaels, are here with you, DJ Impact is uh, currently off in the Bahamas on a vacation uh, that is well-deserved and well-needed and uh, probably well-made up. Uh, So, uh, all right, we're going to get right into it. Count number one this week, uh, the WWE shocked the wrestling industry and the wrestling fans. WWE has now released 71 wrestlers to date in 2021. Now, Do these latest cuts signal the WWE's disconnect with the fan base? This article uh, comes to us from uh, GameSpot out of all the uh, places. Uh, And uh, it's Matt Elfring who wrote this. Um, Basically, um, you know... um, we have all these, these releases going on. Um, and um, I'm going to just kind of give you a little idea of um, some of these names. Um, so that we kind of just, you know, just kind of take in scope of these guys who've been released this year. Um, because it's, it's a 71 people is a huge amount. Some of the names, um, it started off, Lars Sullivan was the first one released at the beginning of the year. Uh, Big Show was released. Uh, Steve Cutler, who I don't even fucking remember who Steve Cutler was. So um, I, I don't know. Steve, is he any relevance? Uh, he's an impact right now. Okay. All right. Yeah. Andrade uh, got released. Uh, Billy Kay, Peyton Royce, Samoa Joe who is the only one who came back to, uh, to being rehired, uh, Kalisto, uh, Mickey James, Chelsea Green, Tucker, uh, man, Bo Dallas, Mojo Raleigh, Wesley Blake, and then some people, like I, like Jesse Main Duke, like did she really make an impact? Some of these people didn't, you know, it's sad to see them lose their jobs, but were we really, you know, invested into them? Um, you know, as the as the months went on, though, Braun Strowman, um, you know, bigger guys, Alistair Black, Ruby Riot, um, San, uh, Santana Garrett, uh, Fandango, uh, you know, guys like that. And then 
we get to these new cuts and we get guys like Karrion Cross and uh, Keith Lee. Um, it's just amazing what's what's going on uh, with with these releases. Um, you know, I guess the 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 question here is with all these releases being made, are they showing a disconnect to the fans? Do you think, Steve, that when you look at it, that the fans are really invested in a lot of these people? Or as we've said, you know, many a time, Raw's a three-hour show. And SmackDown is on a major network, so they're going to have certain, you know, requirements, I think, through Fox that they're going to want to see on that show. So do they give the disconnect for the fans when they end up doing these layoffs, especially, I think, when it comes down to the fact that a lot of the people who feel that these cuts come out of nowhere and that they were unjust, feel that that is true to wrestlers who have established themselves through the NXT program in which was sold to us as a development for being brought up to the main roster. And typically when these guys get up to the main roster, um, they're ending up in situations where they're being basically cut down to nothing, repackaged, Um, you know, in some cases, I'm pretty sure Vince McMahon doesn't even know who some of these fucking people are when they show up. Um, so what are your feelings about that actual disconnect from the WWE fans? And is it disconnect or at this point, is it strategic business? So the thing is, I, I I really think that at the end of the day, we're, we're looking at a, a huge, huge number, 71 people. Uh, that is enough for an entire promotion to be built from the people that have been removed. Um, and it, just looking at the totality of, of everybody that has been released, it's, there hasn't been necessarily one body type, there hasn't been one specific uh, skill set. Uh, there hasn't been one, you know, one thing in particular that has stood out that has been a, a major disqualifier. Um, and I think that ultimately at the end of the day, something that we as fans really need to consider is, you know, did we invest in the, in these people? Did we truly buy in? Did we buy the merch? Did we chant for these people? Um, Were they really as over as what we may think that they have been? Um, Because somebody somewhere thought that they were not worth the investment to keep. And I think that as fans, we get so locked in as, you know, we, we have our favorites. We have people that we would keep. Um, obviously we only see the on-air personas and we may see these guys and, and, and gals on their social media. 
Um, but I don't think that we're truly getting the full picture out of all of this stuff um, right. because we don't know how these these folks behave you know, backstage or, you know, when they're presented with certain things from creative, um, things of that nature. Uh, so I, I think that it is pretty short-sighted for us as fans, um, just looking introspectively, of course, um, to, to say, oh, well, you know, it, it this guy or that, per, you know, that, that person, this person shouldn't have been cut for this reason or that reason. Yes. It, it we're going to have our own biased view of things. And while it sucks that, you know, all of these people um, are, or most of these people, I should say, are out of a job still at this point, either waiting for non-competes to end or, you know, those non-competes have just expired. Um, so we can look for them to turn up on other programming uh, if they haven't already. Um, it, it definitely bears saying, yes, it sucks that, these folks' careers and livelihoods are at least in a state of flux in a time period where so much is uncertain. Um, but I don't necessarily know if it's a disconnect because it's easy for us to say, oh yeah, it definitely is. And I, you know me as well as anybody, Michaels, that I am quick to, to point the finger and say, oh, well, they fucked up by you know releasing this person or that person and they shouldn't have done it. But what my view is, is possibly not the same view as, you know, as uh, Nick Khan or Vince McMahon, um, who, quite frankly, these businessmen look at these guys and, and ladies strictly as dollar signs and how much of a return on investment that they can provide to them um, and whether or not keeping them backstage or on the roster or performing is worth the it sometimes headache that certain people may provide um, or, you know, certain abilities might not be where they want them to be. Um, so I, I guess that the, the most important thing is, you know, we need to, number one, consider the source. We need to temper our judgment. And, you know, it, it might be a, a temporary sort of a frustration, but we need to work beyond that as fans. If we truly do want to follow these folks, then support them in whatever avenues that they choose to pursue outside of their WWE careers. Uh, and if we were really fans of these, these, these ladies and gentlemen, then we need to actually show it and we need to follow them. Uh, we need to buy merch and, and support them point blank. I think that you, you brought up a very interesting point, and that is um, that idea of wanting to um, kind of in, invest in your favorites. What I always find fascinating is that when these cuts have been made over the last two years, specifically, that there's been so much uh, outcry because of the number, okay, because of the, the massive number, right? which people were giving the outcry of, well, Vince just signs all this talent just two years ago. And it's like, okay, so how do you want to have it? 
if Vince signs all this talent, you're mad that he signs all this talent, then why are you mad that he's releasing the talent? And you made a very good, you know, pathway of your favorites and who you're going to cheer for. So here's 71 people this year of that 71 on the list. I can honestly say that three, maybe four stand out to me as people that I would have liked to seen stay around. And one of the reasons I feel that way is because we're not the ones who a choose how they're utilized. Right. We think we, you know, first of all, we're going to base it all on a biases. Right. So if we think we know that we could run the company better, um, basically what we're saying is we think we know we could book better. Right. Okay. That's fair enough. I'm sure that many people feel that their choices of how things are utilized can be done better. But one of the things you don't have in front of you is a responsibility to shareholders as well as a responsibility to um, networks and packages and deals and sponsors and, you know, everything that's associated um, with, um, you know, what happens in running the business end of things. So then we focus in on, well, they misutilize this person. And, and this is said all the time. They misutilize them. They didn't use them right. Okay. The truth of the matter is, is that when people have been brought up to from NXT WWE main, you know, roster programming, yes, there has been a lot of misusage. There's no doubt. But at the same time, what's really interesting is that idea of we already know that Roman Reigns is untouchable. He is going to be your number one guy. All right. Then you kind of have to go down the list. You go, you know, Drew McIntyre has been forced into the, the top position. So we know Drew McIntyre is going nowhere. We know that all three New Day guys are going nowhere. All right. There's five spots right there that you that are top spots that you can't even scratch. So if you're Finn Balor, Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn, um, you know, those next guys who have kind of been up, Seth Rollins uh, is kind of in that, like, is he top guy? Is he... You know, so you start thinking about that. Same with the women. Four horsemen, boom. Or four horsewomen, they're they're right there. Um, and obviously Bianca has worked her way to that stature of of that level now. Um, but outside of that, you know, hey, you got Shayna Baszler and you got Rhea Ripley, and you know, um, and you know, luckily Nikki Ash has kind of you know put herself in a position. But how long will that last? Because is she really a top tier person, right? So you got to kind of figure in those factors. And that's what this whole thing comes down to. Is you said it, 71 people is a whole nother company. So what are you supposed to do? Because there's no way you can foot that bill. And like fans pointed out, he was signing all the sound, all the sound. Oh, he doesn't want AEW to get the talent. Well, 
apparently they don't give a shit because <laughs> here you go, guys, take the talent you want. We don't care um, because we are, you know, looking at the numbers and we're doing what is best for our overall business. And what is really funny is that they get raked for it. And I find that very funny because in a country where the idea is I don't make enough money, I want to make more money, right? Then how can you as a fan even consider the fact that, oh, they're not doing this person justice? Well, if you're saying that about 71 people and there's another 90 on roster, now you're trying to fit in 160 contracts in a structure. How do you do that? And that's the thing about AEW that is going to be interesting. We can say how much of a, uh, you know, an unlimited resource that Tony Khan has, right? But at some point, you got to realize that he can't take money from the Jaguars or from the uh, the soccer team to compensate AEW. You have to, at some point, say, we can't be spending this much more money. And Vince is now saying that for whatever reason. And mainly, I think it's because before they had Nikon in place, there was no checks and balances. And so whoever Hunter wanted to bring into NXT, they could bring in. And then whoever Vince wanted on the roster, and if they were, you know, given a, a thing when they got up there that they were, you know, putting on overalls and they're a backwards hillbilly, then that's what you were. And if, uh, if you embraced it and you got it over and you were selling merch and the kids liked you and you were doing Make-A-Wish, Remember, the New Day were heels when they started. And what did they start doing? They started selling their whole image on unicorns and rainbows. Yeah. And they were embraced. And all of a sudden now, they can't be made heels. They can't be let go because they're too popular. And they're breaking barriers too being African-American wrestlers. So definitely, it's very interesting to see. Is there a disconnect? There is a disconnect only as you as a fan want to see that disconnect. And if you feel that they're not speaking to you, then you watch another product. And if you really are that kind of person who really likes wrestling, wrestling, you're not watching AEW. You're not watching WWE. You're probably not even watching Impact. You're watching New Japan. Or... You're watching independents that put on good wrestling shows. So, you know, I think that it's a very interesting question. But a lot of this summons, you know, summons around back to money. And uh, for count number two here, WWE came, uh, cuts came right on the heels of ROH's announcement of their total restructure and upcoming releases of the whole roster. ROH is doing this because of the effect COVID had on their business model. The WWE cuts also come right after their third quarter earnings report. The WWE saw a 15% or $34.2 million increase of revenue 
and a total revenue of $255.8 million, with company earnings over the last two years being the highest in company history, are the cuts justified? I mean, Steve, uh, you know, I sent you the article in terms of that it breaks down a lot of this financial stuff. And, uh, you know, I don't run and want to get into too much of the financial stuff because it really is a lot of just numbers and stuff. Um, but operating income was $64 million, an increase of 1% or $0.6 million benefiting from the growth in revenue and the absence of COVID um, associated severe uh, severance expense as compared to the prior year. The benefit was largely offset by higher television and event related uh, production uh, expense. So basically now you're putting more of course into, um, you know, television production, you're moving around again, you know, you got to travel with the, the trucks and everything. And also, um, you know, guys are, are uh, you, you have to be uh, doing all the stuff that takes, uh, you know, when, you, when you're taking the venues into consideration as well. Um, what do you think overall, Steve, your thoughts are on how they've handled one of the most unique situations in the company's history? Because they have never really been at the point where you know they're making what appears to be a lot more considerable income the cost out in terms of revolving credit is not you know they're a lot of times a company is successful if they are making let's say 1 to 5% above the revolving line of credit they're making almost some 20 to 30 million dollars over this because I think yeah. I maybe even a little bit more because I think their total expenses somewhere between 200 and 220 million dollars as opposed to taking 255 million um, you know in this third quarter. So what are your your feelings in how money figures into what they're doing with these types of cuts? So I think the something that's very important to consider is, to me, this screams what we've been talking about, that they are shoring up the balance sheets, that they are getting rid of excess contracts. Uh, you know, say what you will about them scooping up all the talent under the sun. At, at the end of the day, when it comes to business, it doesn't matter whether you feel like as if they did that or not. What this screams to me is that they are posturing themselves for a bit of consolidation before possibly shopping the company, which is something that we've made allusion to and something that makes a lot of sense because they are getting rid of all of this excess, um, all of this excess pork, if you will, all of this excess uh, and unneeded, these unneeded contracts. Um, how, many, how many guys and girls have not been on WWE programming and thus are not a you know, a major key contributor to their weekly programming. And, and I think that the fact that they were able to cut 71 people off of their balance sheets this year and still have 90 plus active talent, I think 
that that is just glaring. And it's obvious that they are at least looking at consolidating the balance sheets and, you know, whether or not there's the narrative of them looking to sell the company. Uh, I think that they are getting the finances in line and it, it, as a fan, obviously it sucks to see people go and we made mention of that, but if we look at this from a business perspective, this just screams that they are posturing themselves to sell the company at for the best possible return. You know, what's interesting about it, and this is something that um, really didn't hit me until this very moment. And we've said this, like you said, about selling the company, the potential of selling a company. But what's really interesting is they sold the library. Exactly. Who did they sell yeah. it to? Well, they, they sold it to, of course, NBC. But here's the, here's the thing. And this is really the interesting point. If you were looking at the value of a company to sell the actual company, you would retain that library. Because the library makes your company more valuable. We're talking only about wrestlers' contracts and front office contracts. So that means to me that if they are going to sell the company, quote unquote, the company, they're not going to sell the company. They're going to sell the brand. They're going to sell the license of WWE to Disney or to NBC. So what they're setting up for in that case isn't necessarily the um, the sale of, hey, now we're not going to be running the wrestling business, right? They're going to keep running the wrestling business. What they need to put themselves into position to is to have an identifiable product with brand identifiable talent that they can sell under the umbrella of another company. Um, because you made a very good point. If they're not on TV, they're not doing much for the company. Mia Yim is a great example, right? Took her off of TV. She got COVID, uh, apparently. And so she was off. And then Keith Lee, you know, we think was off because, you know, she had COVID, but then comes down, comes out that he has this major health issue. Now the fan in me goes, man, I like Keith Lee and it would have been cool to see him, you know, kind of get that posture that he got in NXT. But at the same time, if we don't really a think that he's marketable in terms of what we can do with them and how many spots we have available. And I think that's what it's getting down to. I think in the end, what they're looking at is taking a guy like him and going, okay, he has major health issues. We don't know if he'll be safe. His, you know, his, his girl is, you know, I don't know if his wife or his girlfriend, Mia Yim, I don't know which she is, but 
you know, she's not going to be happy if she's here, you know, stuck under contract and he's there, you know, in another place or another town or whatever. So I think that there's factors that go into each release, right? But overall, if you're looking at it from the realistic aspect of this, NXT 2.0 is the best example of what they're doing. And that is they're looking to bring in young people. They can use the performance center to train in the style of television storytelling that they want to tell. What we were seeing in the old version were guys who were coming in who already had a name established. So those contracts that they came in on had to be a little bit higher than the contracts that you can give a 25-year-old who happened to be a track star or someone's son or someone's, you know, uh, you know, a, a, a you know, uh, Ivy, um, you know, reality TV competitor, right? So when you bring in the factor of those factors and what you're trying to do with the look and the feel and it's more of a friendly product to then turn around could you not see disney selling that product they're able to disney would be able to sell that merchandise in their store so disney don't give a shit about who's wrestling or you know who's getting wins or who's in they're they're looking at hey Will someone buy this nice, bright-colored NXT hat in our, our shop? And that's what it comes down to. And wrestling fans don't understand this. They don't understand the aspect of the reason that the company is making so much money right now is because of the fact that when you look at the cuts that they've made, you're, you're starting to narrow it down to how you want each particular product to look. And, you know, Fox has a little bit of say into SmackDown. Raw, we would assume that maybe there's there, there's never been really a lot of indication of does USA have a lot of say in Raw, right? So Raw has always been, you know, it's funny because we, we always go, that was the, it was the staple. It was the big thing. But is it? I mean, yeah, it was in 1996, 1997. Um, you know, 1993, when it started, it was the only one. Then when it had a competition with WCW, it became important in those aspects. But now it's the, the game has changed. And this is why I think, too, what feeds into... The war's not between AEW and WWE. The fans want it to be because they want this, this thing that a lot of them have never seen in their lifetime. And a lot of the people who are our age, oh, this is the glory days. Let's go back to high school and play some football. <laughs> you know, The truth is AEW and WWE are not competing head on in that manner. They are both, and AW should be doing this as well. 
you're selling a product that hopefully is something that can be bigger than pro wrestling. And one of the things that never gets brought up in all this with WWE and their cuts is we never hear about the financials of the entertainment aspect of the company. It's almost always centered on the wrestling company. But what about the WWE studios and how is that being lined up? And can we see a little bit more? Because if you're selling the WWE name and brand to a Disney or to an NBC universal or even to Paramount CBS, then that company that is the entertainment company is going to be one of the things that they will be acquiring and they will be running most likely, or at least putting people into place um, where they're not going to touch the wrestling business. That will always be run by whoever the, the, the board of directors of the wrestling company want it to be run by. So it's very interesting because the financials, you know, of a, of a, a place like ROH, Sinclair Broadcasting didn't give a fuck about the company. And they let them pay their wrestlers during the pandemic when there was no product being created. So that went to show that they didn't care. And now they have to restructure everything to even try to survive and keep that brand alive. Sinclair didn't even care about the brand. So it's an interesting aspect. And of course, you know, we're going to see what pans out with that idea of if this is all for sale, which it could very well be. Um, but in the end, it could be, you know, something that we're not even really understanding the whole picture of why they're making these cuts. And yeah, it does suck. But at the same time, like we said, there are so many places they can work. And like you said, if you are truly a fan of that person, then you're going to watch them in another place and you're going to buy their merch just the same. And you're probably going to end up complaining why they're not using the person, why you think they should be using them. So it comes full circle. It really does. With that said, in the end, the cuts are job losses. However, with AEW, Impact, New Japan, AAA, and the NWA and other indie companies like GCW available for wrestlers to land jobs, it's time to have some fun as fans and speculate where some of the wrestlers will end up. So here's a list of 12 wrestlers and where the author of this article, Matthew Wilkinson of the uh, Sportster, uh, thinks these wrestlers should go. Steve, you and I will chime in in telling you where we think uh, each of these uh, should or will go as well. All right. And we start here with number 12 on this list, Frankie Monet. Now, the author of the article uh, believes that Frankie Monet will actually go back to impact wrestling. Um, You know, his argument here is that uh, Taya is basically still, she's amazing talent, both inside and uh, in the ring and on the microphone. He feels that a return to impact could end up uh, happening for her with the company having 
treated her well during her original stint. So basically, he's, his theory is she had a good relationship there. The, the, the company treated her well. So she'll go back. Where do you see Taya ending up? I actually think that this is spot on. Uh, I think Impact as well. Um, do you think personally that she has any value to um, to a company like AEW? I I would I would like to see her in AEW. However, I think that they are trying to grow their own division and. If she would show up there, I don't necessarily think that they would put her at the top of the at the top of the pecking order, if you will. Um, I don't want to see her used as, you know, a jobber to the stars. Essentially, I don't want to see her necessarily. But, but who? But who would be the stars in that case? And 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 that's that's ultimately the thing is, you know, I. I I would, I would like to see her in AEW, but I don't think that they will make it happen. Um, I just, I, 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 I see her going back to impact and rekindling those feuds. Um, and yeah, it, it, like I said, I would love to see her in AEW, but I think that she will go back to impact. It's an interesting thought. I, I don't know the likelihood. So, so my feeling is this. When you look at AEW's division, the difference is they haven't been able to develop those talents in the women's division. Yeah. Now, with the men, it's kind of a weird situation because with the men, you bring in the men and you're hindering a lot of the men's development who are, you know, guys that you should be developing, right? Yeah. With the women, I think that Taya immediately with Thunder Rosa and with Ruby Soho, Britt Baker is not that good in the ring. Let's be honest. So that now ups your, your, your division a little bit more. She's not jobbing. I I, I would hope not. Um, that would I, be I, 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 I just, I've seen how they've treated um, other people. And granted, I'm looking at the men's division, but, you know, people that they've brought in from WWE. And unless you're a Brian Danielson, unless you're a CM Punk, unless you're, you know, a crazy, crazy good name and big name and established name in the eyes of, you know, legendhood, if you will. Um, I just, I just feel like as if, Unfortunately, they haven't known how to use all of the talent that they've brought in from other places. Well, that brings us to the next uh, person. Mia, Mia Yim is the next person on his list at number 11. And um, he believes that she would be a perfect fit for AEW. Uh, she has a gimmick that is different to others on the roster right now. She has the knowledge to help the division as it grows. Mia would work out perfectly on the roster with matches against the likes of Britt Baker having great potential. Now, what is funny, I think, is that he says having matches against Britt Baker, but he doesn't say anyone else. Right. Um, so I personally, I don't know. I also think Tony has a, Tony has a little bit of a complex where 
Taya is a, a little bigger name, more known name. Taya also has a husband who very, very well could end up being done with his contract or released at some point in which he would gladly take him in AEW. So Tony would get to rub shoulders with, with them. Now, I personally don't think the AEM necessarily fits in right away into their division. I would like to see her go to probably impact, but I would even lean a little bit towards um, seeing her in NWA. That's what I was going to say. Yeah, I, I think so. I, I mean, that's that's my feeling. You, you're on the same page on that one. Yeah, I, I, I was I was actually going to say NWA for me a yim. Um, if we if we remove Keith Lee from the equation, um, if we exactly. if we if we factor Keith into everything, and you know, not to spoil you know what's coming down the list, but um, yeah. realistically, um, I I would like to see them together wherever they go. Um, so if that factors in, then this does segue in AEW. Now that's that's interesting uh, in terms of the next person he has is C- Katrina Cortez, and he does have her going to NWA. Um, he says there's nobody like Cortez on the roster right now, which is funny because he said the same thing about me, him for AEW. Um, and that is why she'd uh, suit being part of the company in order to make the next step in her career. Um, I'm going to be honest. I have no idea who Katrina Cortez is. So this is an example for me of that idea of, you know, um, not everyone needs, you know, I, I don't have to cry over everyone because some people, I don't even know who they are. And personally, I don't know her. So I would be perfectly happy getting to know who she is uh, by seeing her at FSW, by seeing yep. her at Santino Brothers, by seeing her at, you know, at Marquez put her on. And that's another option for some of these two. I think Marquez is actually perfect. Send her to Atlanta, send her to Championship Wrestling in Hollywood. Um, I, w- I would take that because I don't know. She must be fairly raw and, and fairly new um, to even when NWA on his list here. The the crazy thing for me is how she is higher up on this list than Mia Yim and Frankie Monet. Well, and and I, I don't know if he ranked it or anything. Um, He, it was not stated how it was ranked per se. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that he just was kind of filling in, but it does build up. So I I mean, in in terms of name recognition, like, it, yeah. it, to be honest, and you know, no offense to Katrina Cortez, um, no, but no, 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 no. yeah, I, I I think that I think that she could really establish herself. Um, she's got a great look, and let's be real, there aren't many uh, masked luchadoras um, that are out there uh, here in the states, anyway. So right. I think that she could definitely build up some buzz for herself um, on indies and build her brand and then wherever she goes she's even more of a success story yeah and and i think the one thing about her potentially doing indies is she can get a little because she was part of nxt brand bingo her her price goes up a little bit but she's you know she's definitely not going to get huge money so it's perfect for that 
uh, opportunity. Now, the next uh, number nine on the, on the list here is Lucia House Party. Uh, he has them going to AAA. He says it's not a, 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 um, a lock that both will uh, go to the same place, remain together. Um, but it's funny because you just said mass luchadores and, um, you know, we're saying, you know, eh, independence and whatnot. He goes and he sends these guys to AAA. I, I don't think that these guys benefit by going to AAA because no. they're already luchadores. So um, what would you say in terms of where you think they would go? Um, I mean, to be honest, I, I think that these guys um, could could go to MLW. And I think that they, I think they could do quite well for themselves in MLW. Yeah. I, you know, I don't know if they'll stay together. Um, and so I would even go personally, I would say one or the other to like NMLW um, or NWA, uh, the other to possibly like an impact. I just don't see my problem is, is I don't know the value of them separately. I also don't know the style and work rate of each individually that would then justify, you know, them going to another place. And also, do they have any lineage with any other of the wrestlers, especially now with ROH? If you're getting guys like Roosh and Bandito and those guys into the mix, I mean, honestly, if I was uh, the uh, what was that luchador thing in L.A. the uh, the one that was on uh, TV that Cross and all of them came from the uh, the fuck was the uh, that big show that was on TV um, that I don't know you know the that one at Taya and more oh Lucha Underground there you go yeah you sorry. Go. No, no, no. I couldn't think of it either, brother. I'm, I'm glad you could. Um, I think that you can even give an argument that I don't know because legal wise that that one, you know, I don't know if they could start that back up, but start a whole nother company. Like you said, 71 releases. Uh, that's a whole yeah. nother company. Look at all these luchadors are going to be out there with these releases from ROH as well. So it's an interesting thought for that. Okay. Number eight. Uh Steve Marie. Um, he has her going to Impact Wrestling. Uh, he does, however, say there is a chance that she will do the same as she did after her last release and decide not to continue wrestling if possible, opting to stick to acting. Steve, what do you think? Only fans. Absolutely. Same, same. I was going to say <laughs> porn, porn is where she's at it. And God bless you. And um, uh, just please uh, keep yourself healthy. Keep yourself sane. Keep yourself safe. Uh, don't end up uh, the same way that some of the other uh, women wrestlers have ended up yeah, who haven't shit. been able to, to latch onto something. We, we joke about Eva Marie. We joke about, you know, only fans or porn or something like that. But the, the honest, the God truth is um, just please stay healthy and, and without safe. a doubt. All right, uh, Nia, Nia Jax is next. He's got Nia going to Impact Wrestling. Um, he, she brings a real presence to the ring, and there's no denying that she has plenty of star power right now. What do you think about Nia? 
I actually think that she could do some good things in impact. And quite frankly, um, there's, I think that there could be a draw to see Nia Jax versus uh, Jessica Havoc. Oh yeah, absolutely. That, that would be a nice match. Um, uh, and again, we kind of uh, talked a little bit, um, you know, uh, in the past year about, you know, Nia and Nyla um, potential, um, but my gut instinct, she goes back to WWE. I think that in the end, the um, the there's going to be something that's going to come out after her statements. Yep, that that's will, a great point. That will be like there was just miscommunication, and this was done, you know, so that you can get yourself healthy, and you know, and basically they're going to restructure her contract and and bring her back in. That's my gut feeling. I'm probably 100% wrong, but that's where I see her going back. Uh, next up on the list, number six, uh, Karrion Cross and Scarlett AW, he says. I'm sure Tony Khan's already reached out. Yeah, you know, if he, if he hasn't, I'd be surprised. Um, yeah. Let's face it. Most likely he's not going back to Impact because... No. You know, he he got his release out of impact. It was kind of messy. Yeah. Um, I know that I I would be a fool to think that uh, FSW hasn't already uh, put him on speed oh, yeah. dial and already talked to him. Um, I, I would assume that Tony is salivating over it. I don't know what his move is, to be honest. I don't know if... Here's the thing with Kevin, and he's very smart. Um, he's not going to put himself in a position in which um, he's going to allow another miss on him. Right. Um, he obviously him and Scarlett are going to go together wherever they go. Yep. Um, I, I I know AW. There are some interesting ideas, but the one thing that again puts this into a lot of gray area with AEW is they already have so many top people that if you come in, where do you fit on that roster? And even though they say, you know, like this, he points out here, uh, Malachi, uh, AEW has showcased the ability to work well with darker gimmicks uh, by how Malachi Block was used. And that is why they would work well on that roster. However, my counter to that is they already have mile cut block on that roster. Which is why you don't have him play a darker gimmick. Right. So then that's why I say Kevin is very smart. So Correct. Kevin is going to pay, is going to play the, um, the kind of character he played honestly in um in fsw the character he developed i think that ultimately what he wants to do i think AEW would allow him that freedom because let's face it tony khan is not going to tell him oh no you're gonna play this right right so i think that um those merits he signs there otherwise the other place triple a for a little bit Mm. He had huge success in Triple A. Yeah, definitely. 
Um, now the next one is number five on the list. And this is why I don't think this has any order in particular <laughs> because it's Trey fucking Baxter. Um, he says MLW. I, I'm not even giving you reasons why. Where do you think Trey Baxter goes? And do you care? New Japan. Sure. That sounds good. <laughs> New Japan, MLW, NWA. Again, I say another guy who indies great make a few more yeah. bucks on these um he's 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 young he's green uh but he's a little more developed so that's fine number four oh, uh oni lorkin uh he's got him going to aw do you really think aw no okay where do you see him going i see him going to new japan as well probably new japan strong here in the states I, I agree, man. I just can't see. I think if he goes to AW, he gets lost. Yeah, without question. And, and he just becomes another guy who comes in and you sign him just because he was a WWE guy. I think right. you're right. I think he needs to go to New Japan. New Japan. New Japan I think here stateside is a great, uh, you know, is a great thing. I, if ROH does restructure, ROH 100%. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. Um, I'm spoiler alert. I'm not sending anybody to ROH only because I don't know what the status of, of no, their restructuring and, is going to be. And neither did he. So he didn't include it, but that's what I say. If they're, if ROH was around, but if they do restructure, yeah. that's a guy that I think you bring in as one of the guys that, you know, he's going to be a little higher paid, but he's not going to be really expensive Yep. And can help you build that brand up for the fan base he already has. Uh, the next one is B Fab. He has B Fab going to Impact. What do you think? Indies. I totally agree, hundred percent. I do not think B Fab. Uh, listen, she fit in perfectly with the crew as what she was, but she was green as shit, and it showed in the ring. And she was a little sloppy, so it was a little dangerous. I think she makes some decent money on the indies. Yeah, without a doubt. You know, Impact might sign her um, to a contract that doesn't see her necessarily on TV right away, or she's on TV, maybe she's not working, and she's going out and doing indies while under contract. But I, I totally agree. Um, I If Tony Khan signs her, I think it's a waste of his money at this oh point. Oh, my God. Yeah. So... Uh, however, the next one, Ember Moon, he's got AEW signing Ember Moon. What do you feel about that? I could see her going to AEW um, or Impact, but I, I definitely think AEW is the more likely destination. I, I, I think that it would be um, just given the fact that it is, um, you know, again, it's, it's building that division a little better. Yeah. Um, but becomes a little what a little becomes a little crazy here is again now talking about the balance of your women's division then again being top heavy now with people who were wwe people exactly are already there so um you know if she went to impact what would be interesting is the fact that um right away in impact she becomes one of you know the top players but not in a position like in AEW where the pressure is on. Cause I think anyone who signs with AEW, yeah. they have to perform to a standard 
yeah from day one because there's going to be so much competition within the company itself um and that brings us of course to keith lee i mean aw is really at this point of his career it's the only place i mean he hasn't gone to aw i think we both do because of the fact that listen he's too big for impact um You know, um, now with that being said, of course, look at what cast did. W. Morrissey has built himself back. So I, 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 I say AEW, but another place where I would love to see Keith Lee is in New Japan Standard. I was just going to say in that. Japan, in Japan. I totally agree. Without a doubt. He could um, be, he could be a fucking monster. It, it all comes down to honestly the the difference of um, okay, a couple things. Health is t- first without all, a doubt. Um, he has to be able to pass physicals, you know, to to get signed to these companies. Um, the second thing is um, where he wants to, how he wants to make himself. So he's if he signs with AEW, he's going to get the immediate attention of being. One of the big guys released signing with AEW. However, at the same time, we could also be seeing Braun Strowman and Bray Wyatt, who are still unsigned, getting contracts to AEW or Impact, let's say. So that's why I agree with you 100%. And that is going over to Japan would probably be, first of all, he would have the most success. Because yeah. he wouldn't be competing against all those guys for you know the attention on AEW, he'd be competing against the other handful of Americans who are in Japan. Bro, can you imagine Keith okay. Lee and Jeff Cobb? Okay, yep, I knew exactly what you're thinking on that one. <laughs> I mean, for yeah. for fuck's sake, um, I'm going to have to have a little conversation with Mister DeFalco and just say. Hey, Joe, um, you want to throw a Mecca coming up here? Look, sign Cobb and Lee to fucking oh, wrestle, please. I'm boy. sure Cobb will be back at some point in the States within, you know, a few months, you know, for a little while because of visas and everything and what you have to do. So, um, I, th- I, I know, I think that 100%. And it would be the smartest thing, too, to get rid of the whole, um, you know, that whole idea of the pressure of becoming an American standout star in the States um, and dealing with having to compete with all those other guys on the AEW roster. Um, yes, we can say that, oh yeah, him versus Brian Danielson would be great or him versus CM Punk would be great. But we're saying that about so many different people and now all of a sudden you got MJF and his contract's up, and where the fuck's MJF going? Oh, I'm exactly. going to where, you know. And again, this all ties together with that idea of what I said. If you've got guys who you're trying to develop in the WWE from NXT from scratch to be your next set of your Cena, you know, and, and Brock Lesnar, you know, group. You have to be very careful now of who you're signing. And if a guy like MJF becomes and Orange Cassidy, no way though, why would they consider doing that? Because Orange, they'd never let him stick to that gimmick at all. 
Um, there's not a lot of guys in AEW right now, outside of someone like uh, Warlord, who I think is the perfect type to take from an established company who's had him on TV and he doesn't have as much experience. MJF is the, the, the fucking only one you want and you throw him the fucking, you, you give him everything. And, and that's, that's the, the only guy I would say that the WWE should even consider, um, you know, in terms of, you know, guys that if AEW's contract comes up. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, it's very interesting to, to see where everyone's going to end up. Um, and like I just said, Bray Wyatt and Braun Strowman are still unsigned to our knowledge, right? Um, exactly. It's a deal in place in someone's contract. So how much more crowded do these companies get? Steve, I think you hit it on the nail, though, at the beginning of this whole show. The ideal situation is if I'm Paramount or if I'm uh, Disney, I start my own company. Bingo. I make a call to at least someone who can advise me, and that someone is Eric Bischoff. I don't need Eric necessarily to run everything, but I need Eric to put everything in a structured place that a wrestling company could function. And then this way we could build our own company. We don't have to spend the money on acquiring rights from a WWE or you know, um, the ashes of, of something like an RH where we buy the brand. And maybe that's even the way to go, you know, buy the brand and then, you know, start that as your company. But um, I think you're right. I think that there is so much talent out there that a, a, Lucha, a Lucha company or a, a mid-level, not a competitive, hey, we're going to take on AEW and we're going to take on WWE. No, a, hey, we have all these stations on cable that we own, kind of like what Sinclair did um, with ROH to syndicate, but more so what Axis, you know, ended up doing when, uh, you know, Impacts and Axis merged. Um, we got time. We got a cable station. Let's put it on. So Why don't you, why Disney, ESPN? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It, it, it still blows my mind why ESPN does not have pro wrestling on it. Yeah. And um, ESPN just announced, it looks like um, through uh, what they've been uh, telling cable companies for the next uh, contract that's coming up here, um, ESPN Classic is done. So basically now, and you said, why they haven't started a company well espn classic they don't need the cable anymore right because they got espn plus they can put anything they own in their library on espn plus there's your wrestling show right there exactly ESPN plus your streaming service you don't have to worry about advertisements and rating boom you're done so um it's very interesting to see what's going to happen here um and um basically the moral of the story is uh, Eva Marie is not in the company anymore, and uh, God bless you. Thank you. I'm so glad you guys finally listened to us. And uh, uh, if Carmella wasn't engaged, Corey Graves, she'd be next. Your audio cut out. 
Oh, I said uh, if Carmela was uh, wasn't in, engaged to Corey Graves, she'd be next. And of course, you're not hearing me right now. And on that note, no, that's good. it. We're good. <laughs> All right, Steve, anything you want to say? Uh, yeah. Um, special thanks to everybody who hung out with us tonight. Thank you for listening, hanging out, sharing, subscribing, all the fun stuff that you guys do. We greatly appreciate it. Um, also very special thank you to every brave man and woman that serves, um, serves this great country on lands, both foreign and domestic. Thank you for doing what you do. Um, and a special shout out to our boy, the storm and Mormon. Uh, we can't wait to see you back state side, brother. We love you and, uh, just stay safe. And uh, last but not least, repsports.com, R-E-P-P sports.com. Go there for all of your pre-workout weight loss and general energy needs. Repsports.com. Use promo code Vegas at checkout and save yourself 15%. And uh, as we wrap up, uh, DJ Impacts uh, will be back with us. And uh, if uh, he ever has to uh, miss an episode again, uh, uh, we will be running a best of because uh, we can't do what the fuck he does, uh, as you can tell. So on that note, everyone, you guys be safe and uh, we'll see you guys next time. Vegas Bad Boys of Podcasting.